What's up? I am Machine Gun Kelly, and look, I know Halloween is going to suck this year because there's no trick-or-treating and all that, but I've got a treat. There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata, and Satan. Well, Satan's not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan. But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. Listen to Halloween in Hell on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you get your podcasts on. This is Fight Night, a new podcast from iHeartRadio. They thought he had robbed the deadliest man in this country. Guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off. This story from Atlanta, Georgia, has been reported for 50 years. But now, for the first time, you're going to hear what really happened from the people who lived it. Listen and follow Fight Night on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For the week of Thursday, June 11th, as George Floyd is finally laid to rest in his hometown of Houston, Texas, America continues to grapple not only with the fallout from almost two weeks of protest, but also attempts to come to terms with the impacts of hundreds of years of racial injustices. Has this moment in American history given the country an opportunity for long-needed change? Are we taking advantage of it in effective ways? I'm Clay Aiken. This week, Politicon attempts to turn down the volume with a conversation that delves into the complexities present on just one side of the debate. Can the movement towards justice and equality be successful if there's not agreement about what justice and equality looks like? Tim Black is an author, activist, talk show host, and comic whose daily Coffee with Tim Black and nightly Tim Black at Night help make him America's most watched independent media on the left. Comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang hosts one of Sirius XM's most successful daily shows, Tell Me Everything, and is the host of the podcast, The Sanity Cast. This week, if we can't even agree on what changes we need, how the heck are we going to get along? Tim and John, thank you for being with us. We've had the past few weeks of our How the Heck Are We Going to Get Along episodes being a great example of how the heck we're not going to get along. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we've we've had seminal turning point moment, hopefully, hopefully a turning point moment in our country's history. And, you know, I really feel personally that one of the biggest challenges that we have had uh, over the past several years is turning the volume down. It seems like everything seems to be a 10 for everyone every time anyone any anything's in the news we we live at a 10 and so we sort of wanted to have a conversation this week where we didn't live at a 10 uh the entire time because i, I think sometimes we get way too wrapped up in the indignation and the outrage of what's you know going on in the news and we don't really talk about the the policy we talk about the politics and so we we we're doing something different a little bit this week we don't have four folks on we just have the two of you and me and i kind of want to talk about generally what has been happening the past two weeks in this country especially um as it relates to the protests that we've been seeing after the murder of george floyd um and any progress or or if we believe that there is progress being made tim if there's an adjective to describe how you have felt in this past week, what would that be? Wow. Uh, 
I would say, wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It, uh, I'm shocked and I, I'm inspired, but I'm also I'm frightened as well. That's a lot. That's conflicting emotions, yeah? I mean, a I, lot I, to go exactly. through. Talk me through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm shocked that, uh, that people are paying attention now. Um, that has got the, the you know it's got the attention of not only American all, all American citizens wherever everywhere you go, but it also the gripping the, the you know the death of the murder the killing the slaying of George Floyd has it's gripped the world it seems and the entire world is is paying attention you know I've been covering this type of violence um, state sanctioned violence for better part of a decade and there have been other cases. Um, but this one, <clears throat> it seems as it's resonated in such a particular way, Clay. It's, it's very different. So I'm, 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 I'm shocked at the way that people are really paying attention in the protest. It's unprecedented. And like I said, it's across all, all you know, across the country and, and across the world, frankly. And I'm also frightened this because I'm not exactly sure if the changes that we're trying to make, if they're actually going to be made, if this is just more rhetoric, if this is just more talk, if this is just to get rid of Donald Trump. Um, it, it becomes so partisan. Uh, so so those things. But I'm also inspired, once again, that people are not apathetic and, and that they did wake up and that they did pay attention. And, and now, once again, I'm frightened again because I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like, what we're going to do with it. So it's a lot in that, but this is an amazing time and, and people need to take it. I'm so glad you guys have decided to, to kind of slow the volume down or turn the volume down or the temperature down a bit and, and do a deeper dive on this because this is, this is monumental. What do you think made it, what do you think has made people pay attention this time more? What makes this particular killing by a police officer of an unarmed man different than Freddie Gray, different than what we saw in Ferguson several years ago. Why do you think this one has galvanized so much more support for awareness? You know, I, you know what, I, I guess technically if we really look at it, we could say the fact that he was killed so slowly hmm. that he had already been subdued, that he was in police custody. And some of these incidents that we see someone's fleeing and if you give people any way out any way to blame the the, the deceased they will um we, mm -hmm. we're a country that re reveres our police law enforcement look at our shows look at our tv look at our movies look at our hollywood um how we depict policing we you know to a large extent sometimes we have bad cops and we have shows about that but we also balance that like training day for instance we balance it with a good cop so it's, it's really hard to cr pass that threshold, but in this, people of all stripes saw a man killed slowly over nine minutes. Eight minutes, I think, 40, 46 seconds. And they couldn't wrap their head around it. There's no way, there, it's very difficult for people to justify the fact. I think almost unanimously, unless, you know, the far, far uh, people that are really out there, most people agree that this was an unlawful killing. This was, a, this was murder. Uh, and the only discrepancy we have is, is it just him? Or is this a symptom of a larger problem? And how do we deal with that, that larger problem? John, what about you? Your feelings? Give me an adjective for your, your, how you felt the last week or so. Well, I'm afraid I'm much the same way. My adjective would be multitudinous because I feel so much at once. Um, well, you know, there's just, there's just so much to feel on so many levels every day. Every night 
on our Sirius XM show for three hours, we have really just been giving so much time over to our listeners uh, and booking, you know, fewer guests so we can hear more true feelings and true experiences from our real listeners. Um, you know, we are so divided and the shouting is there. I don't always blame the people for that. I tend to blame the media and the politicians that whip people up into a frenzy that set the tone for how we're supposed to treat each other. Um, I think that's borne itself out. And on the one hand, uh, I'm so inspired by the progress that we have already seen. When can you ever recall a series of protest marches in our lives that caused so much local change within the first 10 days? I mean, like Dallas changed policies and now they have a rule requiring uh, officers to stop other cops who are engaging in inappropriate use of force. Uh, in New Jersey, the attorney general is going to update the use of force guidelines. Minneapolis has already banned chokeholds. They've upgraded the charges against Officer Chauvin and his accomplices were both arrested and charged. L.A. City Council is trying to reduce LAPD's $2 billion operating budget. You've had three famous retired generals come out against Donald Trump. You've actually had NASCAR and the U.S. Marine Corps ban the Confederate flag. These events are all related. So it, it really is amazing and inspiring to see such a multiracial uh, group of people. And by the way, from so many cultural backgrounds, so many age backgrounds, and let's be honest, there are some conservative brothers and sisters out there too doing this, which is really beautiful. At the same time, I'm also allowed to be terrified because we're still in the middle of a global pandemic and all a flattened curve means is that there's room for you in the icu now so how much does it help essential workers how much does it help the black lives that we acknowledge matter if we are with the best of intentions inadvertently um spreading plague we have to watch the numbers but how do we balance social justice with social distancing and finally you know this sort of thing it's not that it's happening more it's that there's more cameras and not enough people are talking about darnella frazier the 17 year old teenage girl with her iphone and she is one of the reasons why we have this story if there wasn't pictures this would be another statistic that we never heard about and it's just incredible how the entire world is responding to this. They're marching in France, they're marching in Amsterdam, there's rallies in Mexico and Australia, New Zealand and Brazil. So much good can come from this if we the people choose to go to a constructive, positive place with it. But but is it, is it beyond just, I mean, I think you have a very important and good point, Tim, that the, the visual of watching a man be killed and watching him die uh, for, for nine minutes is certainly more powerful than some of the other videos and there have been some really horrendous things that we've seen Ahmad Aubrey whose whose death we got to see on camera um was horrendous to watch as well but this video of George Floyd yeah nine minutes and we watched the breath we watched the life go out of him is that why these changes have been made? I mean, these uh, the the NASCAR banning the Confederate flag seems as if though that's the type of move that they could have made or should have made um, years ago, one hundred fifty five years ago. Right. So, so is it is it just the power of that video of of the officer kneeling on George Floyd's neck? Or is there something else going on in society right now uh, that's causing people to be more willing or 
eager to to make these big changes? I think it was a perfect storm of the pandemic, as John alluded to mm-hmm. earlier. Um, the, the the tension and the frustration and the uh, the sorrow, frankly, of those who've been affected by that, and people also being pent up in their houses watching news with nothing else to do. A lot of people still aren't going back, haven't gone back to work. They haven't assumed their normal routine. So this was it. And this has been it for the better part of a weekend. Like John, my show every night has been focused on these issues. So I think it's not just, you're right, Clay, it's not just the film. It's also... Our, de- you know, our attention being paid to it. And frankly, look, there's a vacuum in our news, uh, currently. I mean, you know, due to the pandemic, once again, right back to the pandemic. I mean, there's, there's no, it's no sports. There's, there's nothing else. Um, there, there, you know, once upon a time, you could turn and watch a game and, and turn off the TV, you know, turn off the, the news highlights of death and, uh, and, and, and do that. And everyone's on social media and everyone's streaming something and everyone's seeing it. So I think it was our reaction to it to put a final point on it. That that we just could not turn away, and uh, I'm 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 proud of us. I'm proud of us for looking at it. Uh, it's not you, you're supposed to be bothered. You're supposed to you're supposed mm-hmm. to be affected negatively. You know you're supposed to um, to not want to see it. But that means you're a human being. That means you have humanity. That's the that's the hope right there, baby. That that people are bothered and we still. Dr. Cornell West was recently on my show and he said, just imagine if people saw it and didn't have a feeling. That's when we're in trouble, yeah. baby. Well, yeah. but but does it not? Isn't not a little bit concerning? Because I don't disagree with you that there is. It was in a way a perfect storm. We've got we're all cooped up in our houses. We're there with nothing else to do, no work, etc. And we see this happen. And but doesn't that con- doesn't that concern you in some way, John? That that when we do finally have the opportunity to get out of our houses and go back to work, that perhaps we won't be paying attention to this anymore? I mean, is this moment going to last? What makes this one, either one of you, please, what makes this one different than the last? If it's if it's just because we've been cooped up at home, then when our attention spans, our, our horrendously short attention spans in this country now, are turned to something else, will we still be able to pay attention to will we still be paying attention to and and as frustrated with this type of police brutality as we are right now well you you all sure make a good point that it is an important factor that all these things were going on at once and so many people were confined in the home and were more likely to be near cable news showing this murder on camera than would have been around to see the murder of eric garner which was on cable news or the murder of philando castile which was on cable news um, I think that so many people, and yeah, there was a lot of pent-up frustration physically of people who've been cooped up, a lot of young people, a lot of testosterone, um, a lot of people ready to get out. And this certainly, if, you, if you're looking for a cause to take to the streets, this is it. But like with all social progress, it only works if you work it. So, you know, if, if people who are geared towards a more decent and intelligent society vote Democrat and then check out and don't show up for the midterms, we know what happens. Barack Obama, in the first year of his first term, sent an address to Netroots Nation where he encouraged them to stay on his case and hold his feet to the fire. It's not just enough to vote and then abdicate your civic responsibility and show up at the next presidential election. So if we keep the fire in ourselves, if we keep the hunger for justice in ourselves, not just that it's a novelty to go out and socialize after three months of quarantine, then yeah, but we, we can't discount the progress we've already seen. The hearings with the House Judiciary Committee that happened just today as we're recording this, 
again, just because of these protests. And they're going to try and change the narrative any way they can, right? They're going to talk about Antifa. Trump's, I'm going to declare it a terrorist organization. You can't even why? declare it an organization. Why do you think you that can't is? declare why it an organization? They, well, no, 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 I'm not saying why you can't. You know why they're doing it. You know why they're doing it. Well, I want you to tell me though, because I may not. I, I'm, I'm confused. I don't understand well, in a situation in where case, we obviously see that this, this, <laughs> yes, what's happened in Minneapolis. They're going to talk about looting. But what, know, but what happened in Minneapolis was something that even Trump himself, at a, for a moment, said was a a brutal act that we should be ashamed of. And should not have happened. Why are we turning the focus away from that? Because why? I'll tell you why. Have you heard Donald Trump say the words police brutality? Have you heard him say the words racism or police brutality? In that Rose Garden speech, he talked about threats to the Second Amendment more than he talked about racism or police brutality combined. That's related to why we're hearing people already begin to demonize the character of Mr. Floyd. They're going to try to do any kind of misdirect they can. Now, let's be fair. But what are they protecting, has John? Managed to, I'll tell you, well, hang on. This, they're protecting Trump to one degree, because if we're talking about misdirection, the whole administration's been squirrel. And Donald Trump will toss out these yellow tennis balls, and our media chases him down and debates everyone while he's gone on to do five more things. So if we're talking about looting or rioting or Antifa, we're not talking about the core truth, which is that George Floyd had a right to not be murdered by a policeman. That is the only story. And anyone who's trying to shift this to looting, trying to shift this, uh, I mean, to, to other subjects, is probably the kind of person who's more offended by nonviolent protests against racism and police brutality than they are offended by actual racism and police brutality. Donald Trump has condemned Colin Kaepernick over a hundred times. He has never condemned police brutality. In fact, he encouraged I, I, it I, on Long Island in 2017. The que but the question really for me is, I can understand, listen, I don't agree with the discussion. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Second Amendment necessarily, but I understand that those people, when they, that those who are big Second Amendment supporters, when they feel that they are having their right to own guns threatened, like they might have that right, gun taken that, away I, I, from I'm them, you, but they the get afraid here. of it. But 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 that's what that's what I'm trying to but figure no out. No one's threatened that. No one's well, threatened that. Respectfully. Let me finish. No one's We're about trying to turn the volume down, John. So I'm not disagreeing. I'm 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 trying to get to the crux of what it is that they're afraid of losing. My point is that you, those folks who get upset and pissed off because people are talking about gun control, they're afraid of losing their Second Amendment right. They're afraid of losing their guns. Why is in who why would anyone be afraid of losing their ability to be racist? I guess that's where I'm trying to figure out what it is that people are afraid of losing because I don't as much as racism exists in this country, I don't believe anyone well, you know what I shouldn't I can't say I don't believe anything because nowadays who knows. But it seems a little less comprehensible to me that anyone would want to defend their right to be racist. So what do we feel they are trying to defend? If, if I mean, is that what it is or is there something else? Uh, the, Tim? I would say it would be their frail idea of what America is and Americana <clears throat> and these illusions that they create um, uh, about you know about what it, patriotism is and nationalism and and what it feels to be American and and you know law and order and and damn it they just canceled cops after 32 seasons and they don't know what to do and you know and and, and on top of that <laughs> on top of that you know they, they they couldn't go to the bar you know so so it's just change uh, in general that's all a distraction yeah it's just change in general and also they 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 don't want to admit 
they, they, the, the cognitive dissonance is, is, is kicking in overdrive, and they're trying to come up with excuses. As John pointed out, distractions to throw the ball. They, pick a pick a distraction. Look over there. Trump just tweeted 200 times in one day in order to try to distract us. He set yeah. a record for the number right. of tweets. Um, just to get away from the, the, the point, and the fact of the matter is most, most Americans saw a problem. Right. And we're ready to take action. And, and and the fact that these states are making these moves, I mean, there's, there's, these are just facts. Two and a half, black folks are two and a half times more likely to be killed by cops. And, and we're unarmed one and a half times more often. So this is this is just reality. You know, even in states like D.C., the nation's capital, not even a state. It should be a state. Um Yep. Most of the most of the crime, most of most of the police violence is in the state where we're what fifty percent, eighty percent of the deaths are black folks, and when it comes to cops and uh, fatality, so this can't be ignored anymore. And it's, I think it, what it is is people are watching, uh, you know, Fox News and OANN and network, and 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 they're being they're being confused and lied to, and now they're they're we're waking up, and some of their neighbors who happen to take a break from that stuff is has watched something different. Maybe they've been listening to John or, or Tim Black and, and or Clay Aiken, and they're deciding that maybe there's something to all this stuff we've been talking about since the beginning of time about police. This is not a new phenomenon, and that's one of the things that picks me off, Clay, is that Democrats are pretending or they're giving me the impression that they just woke up. Kamala Harris woke up to last night and realized that we had police brutality. And where, where was this when Obama was in office? Where was this when we had the House and the Senate and Obama? And we had Tamir Rice and we had um, Michael Brown and we didn't get these changes. So that's the part of the reason why I have trepidation about going forward. But I, I do like the moves that the states are making. Is it highlighted because is it highlighted because the president has been the 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 foil almost <laughs> to this to this situation being someone I mean I'm not disagreeing with you John he he certainly loves to distract and and perhaps that's his only goal but is is do you think that we're seeing cuz a lot of a lot of the stuff I mean if you if you look at the effective measures that were taken or have been taken due to coronavirus the way these these changes are made there's been so little activity in the White House, that the states had to make the rules and make the changes, and and companies are forced to do it. And now we're starting to see certain companies make changes here because there's been, and cities making more changes themselves here because there's been a lack of leadership from the White House. I mean, in a strange way, the ineptitude from Trump has sort of caused others and i can do that this week because i don't have to be unbiased but um the ineptitude of trump has caused others to have to work and make these changes that perhaps they might not have done um when they were looking for guidance from the top i, I hate to pray i'm certainly not going to praise him for being inept but in a way is there has it helped that he's kept his hands off and and not I mean, and not done anything at all john it's hard to say if it would have been worse if he had taken a leadership role, Clay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, because, I feel like that's an obvious one, though. I mean, if he had. <laughs> I mean, so often with these people, the, 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 the dumb outweighs the sinister. You know, right. their rap name is Dim Shady, the entire administration. But <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, it, it was not so much the lack of leadership. It was the anti-leadership. It was telling us one day to wear masks and then refusing to wear one and mocking a journalist as politically correct because he was wearing one just a few weeks later. To, to be the voice 
of the government response, but also the voice of the resistance to the government response at the same time, to actually use words like hoax. You know, it's not enough that he didn't do nothing. It's that he heard it. You know, in, in late January, when Alex Azar was trying to get the president on the phone to talk about this, the president only wanted to talk about vape pens. We know the dates he went golfing. We know how much he knew. We know that the, le- the latest he can claim to have known about this was January 3rd. And we know that he tried to keep a ship from docking to keep the case numbers down and said it would be down to zero soon. We know that he said there'd be a million tests next week many times. He's, it's, it's that he's lied to the American people during a pandemic. So he doesn't deserve any blame for the virus itself. Goodness, no. Uh, He doesn't deserve credit for a China ban because that's rubbish. That didn't really happen. But he does deserve blame for not taking it seriously and for lying to his base. And with all respect to his base, these are people I love. They're my family members. We know that there are Trump supporters who get their information from him. And they do not fact check it. And he is treated with absolute reverence. And he has lied to these people. And now we're seeing, yeah, some states have done great. Andrew Cuomo, two years ago, he was getting beaten up by Miranda from Sex in the City. Now he's like a folk hero. Uh, Mike DeWine, a Republican in Ohio. We don't agree on many things, but my goodness, the leadership and competency he's shown. But then you have people like the governor of Alabama who's never believed it. And now try finding an ICU bed in Montgomery. So June is going to be a month of wait and see, and I pray that the people who listen to Donald Trump are right, and that the people who listen to doctors are wrong. It's the only moral outcome we can hope for, that it gets better and and Trump can take a victory lap, because if the doctors are right, uh, and looking at these 19 states where the caseloads are going up, I really fear it could be a a terrible summer, and I I just hope to goodness it's not. But I do think that Trump has been worse than uh, doing nothing. He He has deliberately made it worse. I always thought that Trump would do a better job at going for the black vote. I really did. I thought I thought Trump was going to make his play at the black vote. And this has kind of <laughs> sunk that battleship. Uh, you know, um, it, it looks like uh, he, he, he he's abandoned that at this point. I was that's why I was looking forward to hear what he was going to what he said at the summit today, because I, I want to yeah. know, did he pivot back? What is he going to do now? I mean, he's still going after Colin Kaepernick. And instead of tweeting about yeah. Martin Gugino, the 75 year old man that we also bust his head open because an officer got overzealous and handsy mm-hmm. and abusive with him. He floats a kooky conspiracy theory that somehow he's working for Putin or I don't know what he said, or some crazy trying to. Scramble, yeah, Antifa. That's what it was. So, um, like you know, that's that to me is good for the Democratic Party, so to speak. But you know, um, it's not good for America that he's doing that. It's causing more discord, and and those people who are strong Trump supporters are going to dig in and dig in, and um, hopefully. Hopefully they eventually wake up. I don't know if I you know what I don't know if they're going to wake up or not. I, I be honest with you. Yeah. I think they've given. I, I think this is a certain segment of society who who hate media so much, which is mostly you know corporate media, um, that they're just going to side with Trump regardless of what he does. I mean, the guy yeah. told him to drink bleach. He said drink bleach, Clay. They let him go for that. <laughs> Liberals and Democrats gave Mitt Romney a great deal of grief in 2012 uh, for his comments about the 47% who wouldn't change their mind and only the 6% who were who were persuadable. 
and and it was not it was inartfully said but i don't know that mitt romney was completely wrong there are on both sides groups that aren't planning on changing their mind or are going to change their mind and that that sliver of undecided voters and i just don't understand who those people are whether you like trump or or biden i can't imagine anybody who can't decide between the two but um but that sliver of oh, undecided a lot voters of people clay a lot of people who can't yeah, decide man. between the two though right and and so right, they, they they can't Clay. And and what yeah, what do you yeah, think that's, is caused that's going that? on? We had those battles every day, Clay. Who do you what do you think is is what do you think those people are deciding between? Well, we got some of those people that are just so bitter, so upset about what happened with Bernie Sanders or or their preferred candidate that that they are turning all that animus onto Joe Biden. And he deserves a lot of it. Don't get me wrong, but they I think they've lost sort of like the the thread of of just exactly what Donald Trump's been doing to this country over the last four years. And an emboldened second term of of Trump, um, it, it you know is dire is a dire prognosis. Um, so so that's one side of it. I mean, I personally I live in Maryland. I'm in a swing. I'm not in a swing state so I, I don't it doesn't matter what i do I, i'll vote for i'll vote for clay aiken or john you know it doesn't matter because you know trump has no chance of winning maryland at least not in my view but these are the things that are going on people have their distaste for the democratic party has has forced them to to not know exactly what uh to not to not dig deeper and make hard calls on trump and and i fight it every day i tell people hey i call out joe biden i did that through on the primaries but now i, I gotta also call out trump i'm not a trump supporter and I'm not going to sit here and badger Joe Biden to death while we let Trump skate by with no no being held accountable with zero percent. I can't do that. So th- that's a problem. Clay. Let me come back to a phrase you used because I like it. You said some people have, have lost the thread and forgotten if they if they were Bernie Sanders supporters or Elizabeth Warren supporters or whoever have forgotten that perhaps four more years of Trump is, is more dangerous than anything. And they've lost the thread. Do do you think we've got a problem with that in society in general? Do we lo- have we gotten to a place where we really l- have lost the thread? And I want to go back to to the events of the past few weeks, the protests, some of the 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 movement in general towards racial equality. Um, do you think we've lost the thread? On many issues, too much to where we're not quite sure exactly what we are fighting for um, and what tangible changes need to be made and instead we are doing things like canceling cops or canceling gone with the wind or uh, firing people for tweets that they that they made 10 years ago i mean is this an issue that we've got to address also yeah, I think it is. We we do we do have to get back to what do we what do we stand for? When Reverend Barber came on the show and we talked about the need for being focused on the movements, they got a poor people's movement now. We'll be trying to galvanize mm-hmm. people together around these movements that matter. You know, we we don't talk about poverty in this country, for instance. So instead of diverting your attention to how angry you are with Nancy Pelosi and that she wore Kenty cloth at this emancipation. Uh, whatever that assembly hall we should be focused on the fact that we have you know 40 percent of i don't know uh, black children going to bed hungry every night like we need to be focused on these bigger issues um and, and that is a problem and you're right i mean and this i think it leads back to the we opened up we were talking about the distractions innate to our society in general you know the way that i mean we we can stream live stream 24 <laughs> 7 netflix and hulu and, and and pandora and we're we know we're so distracted we have too much stimulation is part of the problem 
problem, but I want to be clear. Like, I see the problems. I see the issues. I'm not saying that Joe Biden is the solution. In fact, I tweeted out earlier that if you, you know, trusting, trusting in Biden is like putting your money in a pocket that you know has a hole in it. I'm, I don't have confidence in Joe Biden, but I definitely don't have confidence in Trump. Why did wax replicants crowd an Italian church? And what do wax organs tell us about the history of medicine? Why does the Minotaur still intrigue us? And why would its bovine mouth crave human flesh? Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. Join us on the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast for the entire month of October as we take our annual descent into a host of bloody, monstrous, and terrifying topics. From forest spirits that beckon you off the path to wax sculptors on a rampage, we'll be looking at spooky subjects all this month to peel away the flesh and reveal the underlying science and history and leave you with an even richer understanding of a world that's always weirder than we can imagine. What sorts of scientific concepts can we glean from episodes of The Outer Limits or Tales from the Dark Side? And what's the ghastly history and promising future of blood substitutes? Join us to find out. New Halloween-themed episodes published twice a week with older Vault episodes re-entering the world on Saturdays to spread around some of last year's grisly offerings. Listen to the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On September 17, 2009, 24-year-old Mitrice Richardson disappeared without a trace in the woods near Malibu, California. She had been arrested at a beachside restaurant for failing to pay a tab and taken to the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station. You know, I mean, she's not from that area, and I would hate to wake up to a morning report, lost somewhere with her head chopped off. The police released her just after midnight with no car, no cell phone, no money. She doesn't know the area. She's never been in your area. Well, I think she's depressed. That's what has me fight. That's worth that. you more than just her. Okay. My trees disappeared into the darkness and was never seen alive again. I'm Katherine Townsend, host of the podcast Helen Gone. We're going to try to find out what really happened to My Trees Richardson. School of Humans and iHeartRadio present Helen Gone, Season 3. Listen to Helen Gone on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Should we have should we have canceled or should HBO have taken down Gone with the Wind, John? Uh, yes, but um, understanding that, uh, well, I, I mean, I think Gone with the Wind is factor all factors considered the worst movie ever made. That's just my opinion because of the <laughs> amount of talent and the amount of incredible acting and, and art direction and great filmmaking in that film, and yet it is such a morally abhorrent movie where it's really about how rough it was. For white slave owners uh, when their right to own people was taken away and boy did they suffer after they couldn't own people anymore. Uh, the film doesn't take slavery seriously and um, Hattie McDaniel wasn't even allowed to sit with her cast base when she won the Oscar. It's it's revolting as a movie morally. Uh, but our problem in this country is that we don't take slavery seriously. The fact that we're still having a debate over the flag of white supremacy in 2020 is concrete proof that we don't take our history of slavery any more seriously then we take our history of ethnic cleansing of the indigenous people here. So it doesn't, you know, it's good that HBO took it down, but let's be honest, it shouldn't be banned. People, everyone should see Gone with the Wind and, and see how weird it is, how this whole movie exists to make white people feel good 
1939 about their grandparents and what their grandparents fought for. But uh, at the same time, it's a smart business decision because HBO is not looking to offend anyone. And it is an offensive movie to a lot of people, including a lot of Caucasians who care. Uh, but I've been more impressed by how many African-Americans HBO is hiring on the executive level than the there fact that they'll make a big showy presentation of taking this off their streaming service. I want to know what are they doing on a corporate level to prove that black lives matter? And what has HBO done to discover as the military has that, a very diverse hiring pool is very good for corporate culture. Hmm. I love that. And, and Neil Brennan, a co-writer with, along with yeah. Dave Chappelle for the Chappelle show recently did a bit. Um, you may have saw John where he talked about, Hey, you know, all this performative uh, re- reaction from white folks going, Hey, you know, we need to do something for black folks and black lives matter. Hey, if you got to, if you can hire black people, that's the best way that you fight back is give them jobs, yeah. <laughs> you know, give them positions in these, you know, in these organizations and these big companies and give them an opportunity to grow and, and to fail and to do better and to try again. And, uh, you know, Sort of like with the NFL, with Roger Goodell, all of a sudden, Clay saying, "Hey, I was wrong." You know, you know, maybe just there's well. something to this police brutality <laughs> stuff. You know, but but so yeah, it's performative, man. Hey, look, I don't care much about God for the wind being off or on. I think it's. I feel the same way about Dukes of Hazard. Why take that off? Who cares, man? Let's focus on the real issues. It's a distraction and an easy layup for the corporation to endear themselves to yeah. to the moment of the people, the consciousness of the people at the moment without doing anything tangible you know fund some schools uh fund some right. some, some distant franchise children in the inner city let's let's give some business loans and, and and those types of real fundamental things that impact people we know uh people who are who are lower on the economic ladder are more likely to suffer to you know suffer from all types of issues with the run-ins with the police to to health problems so let's let's do that there's a way to handle that so so well that brings me to the, to the discussion or the the call the movement uh whatever you want to call it the past week or so to defund the police and i'm using that in in quotes because we've heard a lot of people say defund the police defund the police and there's been a lot of controversy over it is it truly that people are calling for police departments to be defunded and and abolished um or what is it that that phrase means to each of you what does defund the police mean to you tim Oh, wow. Uh, well, I'll just say, I, I just covered this last night, so maybe um, maybe I'm, I'm a little... Look, defund the police is a horrible phrase, okay? I don't yes, agree with the, the the branding. We got to get better at branding our stuff. There's, right two sec- there's two sectors, bro. There is the There are these activists that do want to get rid of the police and have no police at all, okay? That exists. Those are people. That's a small, minute area of people. Why um, do they get so much, um, the much larger, attention then? Uh, because it's it's good it's a, it gives people a free pass like it, it says oh wow really that's what you want to do that's extreme okay we don't have to pay attention to those guys anymore because they're crazy so that's what the right is using to go ahead and just just go ahead and to ignore the entire mm-hmm. issue okay mm-hmm. so what there's another group of people a much larger group of people that 
understand that like, maybe mental health issues aren't something that the police should be handling and maybe we should have mental health professionals going to do wellness checks on people who have who are off their dose you know so like there so when i say defund the police i'm thinking more of reallocation restructuring how about new ways policing how about policing for the 21st century how about we step out of the stone age with the way that we the way that we fund policing and the way that we handle uh issues in our communities since you talked about it recently uh, do you know if do you know off the top of your head or at all if there are examples of of police forces or law enforcement in any other country or other city that that might be an ideal to work for in towards in your mind i, I don't mean I to put do you on the spot are, but i just am curious no no, no. i know that they're revamping policing is it i don't know if it's new jersey there, there Camden, are a couple new jersey states did something, that have already right. Camden, New Jersey. There's a couple cities that are that are making changes now. Um, gosh, uh, is it uh, incumbent upon come- those people who are calling for defunding of the police? I mean, I think all three of us agree that phrase is, and that's why I put it in quotes, <laughs> um, is 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 controversial enough to make the conversation almost stop. Unfortunately, when when you hear it, so the phrase is not great. But is it incumbent upon those people who are who are calling for it? To be able to define it better so that they can say, look at Camden, New Jersey, or look at Erdeborg, Sweden, or wherever it is that is that's doing something well. And these are the types of these are the examples of, of what it is that we think we should do. Should they be coming with those details? Yeah, they, well, I don't think they're really giving them the opportunity. I think Kamala Harris, though, she uses a lot of words. <laughs> she uses a lot of words in that conversation with, with Meghan McCain on The View the other day. But she did a pretty good uh, job of framing it. She's talked about imagining a new police, uh, policing in a new way. Maybe we need to be right. more imaginative and creative. I think that's a good start. I just think they've been going to rallies. I, the footage I've seen, Clay, they haven't really talked about it. What they're showing on Fox News is not a real conversation with the people um, you know, asking questions. It's more of them saying, Saying, hey, look at this lady at this, you know, look what they said to the mayor of Minneapolis and look how horrible that is. And next, you know, let's talk about how horrible that was instead of mm-hmm. talking to people who have a better understanding. Hey, they could have invited John or me on and we would have yeah. we would have articulated it in a way that's more acceptable and more digestible. And people would understand what it came with facts about, um, you know, that one fourth of the shootings that we see or don't see actually by the cops are people who have mental health issues and that's almost in some places it's half the shootings half of the fatal right. shootings are people with mental health issues and cops are not trained and cops don't want to do that job yes. and frankly cops have too big a job everything from get my kitty out the tree to domestic violence to an active shooter is in the mall like that's too much of a range for you not to know what your day is going to be like and I think police should some police should be elite police who handle more at risk more high traffic more high risk portions of the job and and some other policing shouldn't even require a gun. Frankly, you shouldn't have to. Right. You shouldn't need a gun. Like the entire to country of the, the United Kingdom. You there you go, brother. Where they don't have. Yeah. They don't. Well, yeah, it's but, an amazing thing. If I may, no, ahead, it, it does speak to the outrage porn that that you're referring to, Tim. That Bill O'Reilly would perfect every time there'd be a gay pride parade and people would be marching for equality. Bill O'Reilly would just show the leather float with all the naked men and say, "Look at this horrible thing. Let's show that footage again. Look at this horrible thing." They're an outrage machine because they're not going to engage in ideas. I agree with you both that it is a very problematic use of language, and in many ways, defund the police is really about defund the way we have been doing policing, because why should cops 
have to be social workers with guns. The language, I think, obviously plays into Donald Trump's hands because it allows Hannity to do what Hannity does, and we deflect the narrative. We're no longer talking about uh, George Floyd's murder. We're talking about Mad Max, Fury Road, no cops, madness. But it also, and, and Trump will fundraise off it, Trump will lie that Biden wants to do it, but it also plays into Biden's hands as well, because Biden has already distanced himself from it. And we all know, with no disrespect to Democratic presidential nominees, the path to winning usually involves throwing leftist pet projects under the bus very publicly to appeal to moderates. Joe Biden's going to come out and say, that's not me, folks. I don't want to do that. It's going to make Joe Biden look like the sensible moderate. And then if he brings on Kamala Harris or Val Demings, he's going to have an African-American woman cop on the ticket with him to deflect all the charges that they're building up from this propaganda now of defund the police. And at the end of the day, it's just a negotiating tactic. It's it's the protesters bringing a knife to a knife fight. You know, they're they're just it's just playing hardball. I don't. I mean, I don't want to to let us rely too much on on blaming Fox because I, I certainly don't prefer them myself. But but. I've watched. I like Fox. I've watched and read news from plenty of media outlets, and I guess what I'm saying is that I have not heard, with the exception of a little bit of what Tim said here, um, really any specifics on what that means. And so, if we exactly. aren't able to provide, or if the side that is is looking for reform is not able to vo- to provide some tangible examples of what reforming the police means outside of no more chokeholds and a duty to de-escalate. If, if we're not able to provide examples of, okay, here's where I want to take money out, we should be taking money out of these specific areas and putting in them into these specific areas and this is how that works. Doesn't that help Fox make their case? I mean, we can blame Fox all day for things that they've clearly done to bias this argument, but are they, aren't they only able to do that because people on the left are not making it clear enough themselves? No, you have to give people the microphone and allow them to have a conversation. And and we're doing it right now, Clay. I mean, well, we know, are, we but I mean, do, I don't I'm, think CNN or MSNBC <laughs> has necessarily yeah. given opportunities to people to give those specifics, have they? That's why you got the John Frugal's gang show and the Tim Black show. I mean, that's the purpose of us exist, existing. That's why independent media exists, and and uh, and we and, and and unfortunately we don't have the reach of cable news, but we are articulating this, and and it we just need to get do a better job. And frankly, Clay, I, I don't want to I don't want to put on the tenfold hat, man, but I think there's a reason why it's been so, you know. You know, banana pillish. You know, Dick Van Dyke walking and tripping over the, the Ottoman type of a uh, whatever we got going on here about how we describe police brutality. I mean, this is it's a horrible. Who came up with the, the the phrase? I think they. No one's that bad unless on purpose. I mean, come on, guys. That's that you know to run with it. So I, I don't. I don't think that it makes sense for well, them to use that. Term. Well, that type of term comes from. I mean, th- this. Uh, here's my here's my tenfold hat moment. It comes from this culture of. This Twitter culture where we have to find something that's hashtag or 180 character worthy and Twitter just does not Mm. allow us to have, I mean, by its rules, by its nature, it says, do not have thoughtful conversation. (laughs) Do not think about (laughs) what you're about to say. Say something quick that's hashtag worthy and defund the police fits on a protest poster or fits in a tweet and does not 
but doesn't explain what people are asking for. Um, so, well, how about f the police? But fix f as in fix the police. That works well. I like that. See, why didn't someone yeah, call you to be the marketing <laughs> campaign manager? <laughs> because that is actually sort of brilliant. Um, <laughs> I mean, but but that like the, the culture of not thinking things through, the culture of just saying, and and I also think that that leads to. I mean, again, this is just my opinion, but it leads to some of these not finding the thread. What'd you say? Losing the thread because we are in, we end up focusing on things like canceling gone with the wind instead of actually having the big discussions about the big issues. We focus on right. the small issues like Jimmy Fallon did blackface on SNL in the year 2000 with Chris Rock standing next to him. Um, and, and that becomes that, that's sort of where our, that's, that's what scares me about this moment also, because it's all based on short attention spans. If we are, if we're so quick to go onto Twitter and move on to the next item, will we be able to fix, um, will we be able to find ways to actually help the black community to, to reform police departments when people's attention spans move on to something else? So what do you think is the biggest problem with the system, Tim? What do you think is, if we could fix one thing specifically, and I, and I don't want to say racism because that's not something that's tangibly easy to fix, if, I mean, it's certainly the problem, but is there, can you think of one or two very specific issues in the way policing is done, in the way police officers are the oversight um, for police departments. However, one one or two specific tangible things that you think need to be changed. Well, New York is is repealing the fifty dot the fifty dash a, uh, which is a is a basically whenever you hear about policemen in a shooting, you always hear about the victim's history, but you never, very seldom, do you hear about the officer's history mm. and, and what they've done over the course of their time as law enforcement. So, the repealing of the fifty fifty dash a is part of it, where we're going to be able to say, and this is good for the, those viewers of whatever network to actually know the history of Derek Chauvin. As well as you know the history of George Floyd, that'd be one thing. To open but what the are they going to say? They're going to turn around and say that you shouldn't have that right because are are they not going to say this is just an an opportunity to demonize police officers? Was was the speech yesterday or today from the union in in New York, the policemen's union, where they became the I guess the leader was very indignant over any any criticism whatsoever yeah. of police officers are they going to be able to be effective and and against police unions yeah. who are trying to protect these police officers uh, records i think they will i mean i mean i know that andrew cuomo is about to sign that i hope he does sign it and that'll maybe create a watershed moment where more states more cities uh, move towards doing that in, in their state and and uh and i think that's Part of what needs to happen, just more uh, a transparency about our police departments. I just think most Americans have no idea what's going on in the police departments. That'll that'll be one thing, and also training. Yeah. Uh, we we talk about training, but I mean, as as far as. We need to set up those departments where certain officers do certain jobs. I don't think we just do away with police, but if we were able to get the unqualified characters out, um, and and I know that they're banning chokeholds in California. There's a number of things, Clay. That I we love need to this do. idea about the different departments and the elite officers. Where did this come from? Because I mean, it seems like there certainly there are very good cops out there. I think we all three would agree there are very good cops, but they're 
not the one showing up to these violent situations, unfortunately, or in or, or to these situations that weren't violent and turned violent because of the police. Um, is this a, are, are people advocating for this? this idea of separating the people in the department based on who can control their temper and who cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Understanding the police training, not to monopolize, but understanding police training. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, John, if you know this, but the, one of the last things they do is they do that test about your emotional stability and your, 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 that's like the last thing that that needs to be the first thing they do. I mean, if you have a short temper, you probably, maybe we don't give you a gun. Maybe you're Barney Fife and you have one bullet in your pocket and have to ask for permission to put it in. was safe. People, <laughs> right. yeah, Mayberry was safe, wasn't it? Because nobody gave Barney a bullet. That was, there you that's go. exactly right. But Barney still had a job. I re- right. I, I mean, I, so I have not heard this before and I kind of like, I mean, I know we're joking about the Barney thing, but I like the idea of, of still allowing people to be police officers, but perhaps they're the ones, you know, if, if you can't, if you haven't been someone who has proven yourself capable of right. maintaining your emotional stability, then you probably why don't can't need to be cops have, Go, yeah, John. Go why ahead. can't we have Yelp pages for cops? Well, that's, that's, but well, because most of the time, if you get because the because the dude who gave me a speeding ticket was probably a really nice guy, but I would talk shit about him like crazy anyway. Fair enough. You're so right. You're so right. Like but I, 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 right. I don't know. I'm I'm just so inspired by how many conservative white Americans have had awakenings in the last two weeks to say that to say that like oh wow maybe it really is as bad. For as the African Americans have been telling us for all these years, you know, I mean, Mitt Romney's church, you know, discriminated against black men in leadership positions until Jimmy Carter, and yet there was Mitt Romney as a senator saying Black Lives Matter. So I'm very encouraged by the fact that there are some Caucasians who've woken up to this. I'm encouraged by the fact that. A lot of people know the phrase qualified immunity mm-hmm. who didn't know it two right. weeks ago. And we're talking about this. We're talking about civilian review boards. Uh, I think it goes even bigger. I think this, like everything, goes into issues of, of you know, privately funded elections versus publicly funded elections because, yes. you know, we don't like to prevent problems. We like to fight symptoms. We don't want to prevent unwanted pregnancy. We fight each other over abortion. We don't want to prevent terrorism. We, we fight the results of injustice and educate and poverty overseas we don't want to prevent poverty we fight crime and any society that doesn't want to pay to educate poor kids is going to wind up paying to educate to incarcerate the poor dropouts so uh, i like the thought that maybe the next generation is going to figure out how to get ahead of this and not just play catch-up all the time because we're talking about a world that's better for cops as well, where cops don't have to worry about mistrust because we have reform there and there can be more natural trust between citizens and police. Now, that might sound utopian. I'm not a, an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. <laughs> but I've just been so encouraged by all the real change that we have seen in, in just a short couple of days. And I think we just found out, um, I believe it was like just announced today, uh, that like in Minneapolis, the government's already pulled away from the police union uh, until they can renegotiate. So it's like, don't underestimate how much good has already happened and how many good ripple effects will come from this if we stay engaged. And we have to continue to protest. I think we we have to be more strategic with the protest, but continue mm-hmm. to protest. It's not time to stop. It's time to push forward uh, because I, I firmly believe, guys, that America will allow us to get our 
asses kicked for another hundred years if we don't do something now. I don't think yeah. my great grandkids need to be dealing with the same problem when they're twenty in their twenties. Let's deal with it now. And I don't want to be the, the the granddad that didn't do what he needed to do because he needed to get likes on Twitter, who didn't speak out because he was afraid that he wouldn't get his videos monetized. So we have to continue to fight and be able to push these issues forward. I mean, we're lucky. Actually, Clay, we're lucky it's not worse than it is. I mean, mm. New York City had 180,000 calls of people with ment- emotionally disturbed people, and only 78% of NYPD are even trained to deal with emotionally disturbed people. They don't, so so just imagine the, 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 the amount of turmoil that we could be experiencing, that we, the amount of death we could be seeing. We're actually lucky that it's not more people who are hurt by police with the training that we give them. Well, I appreciate the two of you talking about. I mean, I, I could I could do this conversation. It's it's nice. It's refreshing to not have <laughs> major disagreement, um, but also you know still productive, challenging challenges to our own you know our own side team um, to just try to make sure we're we're really pushing these this subject um, and and focusing on things that really we can do to fix it. Um, so I, I could talk about this forever, but I want to move on to our uh, quick fire round. We ask questions of, of our listeners. Um, if you're listening, you can send questions in to Politicon or at Politicon on Instagram and Twitter. Sorry about that. I don't know my technology. At Politicon or Insta- on Instagram or Twitter or podcasts at Politicon.com. You can email questions, and we give um, our listener questions to, to our panelists um, every week to do a quick-fire answer with. So um, we'll start with Tim. Tim, Aaron from Austin asks, Did these protests give Trump cover to start holding rallies? Wow. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, man, that's a good question. I didn't didn't even consider that. Um, You know what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This had to happen. And whatever he whatever advantages he gets out of it or disadvantages, let it let it be what it's going to be. This needed to happen. And I wish it would have happened, you know, sooner. John Tom from St. Louis asks, now that the White House new wall has become an art exhibit, is it now harder to tear down? (laughs) uh no for the same reason that we have all these digital cameras and we can preserve this hypocrisy and this comedy and this satire forever so it's actually a beautiful thing you know i've raised a toddler i was raising a toddler at the same time my country was electing one and sometimes (laughs) i I saw that one coming from a mile away john (laughs) well we have a lot in common sometimes during a tantrum you have to put them in a secure playpen Um, Okay, Tim, Jared from Chicago asks, why are Republicans in Congress saying they no longer read Trump's tweets? We know they are. Oh man, because there's no there's no way to, to to cover for him. I mean, what can you say? The guy, you got nothing. They got nothing to say. I mean, it's horrible, and you can't defend it. You can't explain it away. And 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 they like to go out in public every once in a while, and not be harassed by people calling them names like Turkey Neck. And Mr. McConnell <laughs> earned his. Who was that? Who could that disrespect? be? <laughs> <laughs> but you did. They, they've got no comeback. They got they got nothing. Okay, John. Um, Stephen from New York City asks. Russia interfered in our elections. Are they interfering in our protests, too? Oh, well, I'm more concerned about the fact that they're still interfering in our elections. But yeah, of course they are. Um, Russia funds a lot of chaos, you see. And anyone who was committing any acts of violence wasn't doing it 
because they were outraged by acts of violence. I'm sorry. I, I don't think those people were there because they wanted police reform. I think they were there because they wanted to be violent. And, you know, Russia funded, Russia poured money into the Alaska secessionist movement. They poured money into the Texas secession. I'm sorry, the California and the Texas secessionist movement. So, yeah, um, we know from every intelligence agency reports that Russia is seeking to maximize on chaos and racial disjustice and racial tensions are areas where Russia has wisely known to exploit. Russia was behind the Blacks Against Hillary Facebook page. I mean, we already know they're going to capitalize off of this chaos any way they can, because if Donald Trump is no longer president, he holds a very little value for them. Okay, I'm going to give both of you a stab at this last one. Mona from Norfolk asks, the polls showed Trump losing in the summer of 2016, too. Is this a repeat, Tim? Ooh, that's a good question. It could be. I mean, I'm not one who puts too much stock in polls. Uh, I don't I don't for a second believe that, that Trump couldn't make a comeback here. And anybody who was here for 2016 should know they should not get complacent if that's what they want to do is get rid of Donald Trump. Because uh, he's got a very dedicated group. We need to focus. Democrats better be focused on getting disaffected voters out to the polls and, and ways to overcome, you know, the, the disenfranchisement that's happening in these states where mm-hmm. black voters, black voters, not in Latino voters as well, are having a hard time getting to the polls. They better be working on that overtime if they want to defeat Donald Trump. John, is it a repeat? Uh, I've been more afraid this year is going to be a repeat of 2004, but that's a very scary thing I don't need to get into. Uh, I don't think so. I I do think that the greatest danger is that people become complacent, uh, that people, you know, don't feel feel, uh, happy 100% with either candidate, and that's terrible. I'm very sorry about that. But adulthood, like politics, is all about compromise. People will say, well, I'm not going to vote. It's the lesser of two evils. And I'm like, Every choice in adulthood is the lesser of two evils. Picking your dessert is picking the lesser of two evils. Not voting is choosing the greater of two evils. If there is high turnout, then Trump is gone. If there is low turnout, he can easily win. But either way, I'm with Tim. The polls mean nothing. Tim Black, John Fugelsang, thank you both so much. Tim Black, Tim Black um, at night and coffee with Tim Black. We can both uh, we can find both of those where. Tell us how we can see him. Go to TimBlackTV.com. That's it. There you go. And your Twitter and your Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, we, we'll make sure we, we share as well. But people should follow you uh, on, on Twitter. At Real Tim Black. At Real Tim Black. Real Tim Black. There you go. There and go. John, you. your, uh, your, your show, um, tell, me, tell Me Everything, um, is still on Sirius and still one of the biggest yes, shows on, we, on the network. So that's, and, but you're not in the afternoon anymore, that's are you? That's because we had you on it. No, that's because that we had you on but you, 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 we Did had you change you, times? We had you, Bernie, and Tyler Perry, and we blew up. Are you still we in the afternoon the or are you in the evening now? <laughs> no, no, we, no, they made me an offer I couldn't there refuse. So I'm also working evenings, uh, broadcasting out of my New York City apartment so my audience can hear the ambulances all night long. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm doing it every night on Sirius XM, the Progress Channel 127. They brought me in for the election year and it wound up being the impeachment plague and uh, protest march year. So it's a party every night. I also do a podcast called um, The Sanity Cast, which you can find on all the platforts. That's about how to stay sane at a time when the Christians have elected Caligula. Well, I imagine so, there's, uh, I imagine you, there's Craig, medication involved um, with the sanity part. 
in order to. But we also we love having we love having conservative. We've had Chris Christie's done my show. We love having conservative people on the show all the time. So I really applaud what you're trying to do here. I think hate makes us stupid, and no matter what your political ideology is, if you allow yourself to hate, you will say and do very stupid things. So I really, really applaud uh, the tone you're trying to take with this, and uh, and I, I admire you both. Thank you for letting me be a part of. Uh, it's very inspiring conversation. Well, thank you both. I'm for just doing glad it. I was able to keep up with you, John. You're <laughs> a, a, you're a master of what you do, man, and oh, it's you as well, Clay. Well, I appreciate you both. Both of you, I could not I could not thank you enough because this has been one of my favorite conversations. Thank you so much to Tim Black and John Fugelsang for joining us this week, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast and rate it with five stars because we think it's worth it. And uh, review, write a wonderful review about how lovely. Um, you think our conversations are and me too if you want Um, so subscribe rate and review and then send your questions to us for next week's show you can do that via Instagram or Twitter at Politicon or you can email us at podcast at Politicon.com and we will see you here next week so we can figure out how the heck are we going to get along On September 17, 2009, 24-year-old Mitrice Richardson disappeared without a trace in the woods near Malibu, California, and was never seen alive again. I'm Katherine Townsend, host of the podcast Helen Gone. We're going to try to find out what really happened to Mitrice Richardson. School of Humans and iHeartRadio present Helen Gone Season 3. Listen to Helen Gone on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? I am Machine Gun Kelly, and look, I know Halloween is going to suck this year because there's no trick-or-treating and all that, but I've got a treat. There's a musical podcast that I made with my friends 24K Golden, Ian Dior, and Dana Dentata, and Satan. Well, Satan's not my friend, but Tommy Lee is, and Tommy Lee is playing Satan. But don't just take it from me. Tell him, Satan. Thanks, dude. It feels great to be playing Satan on this podcast. Listen to Halloween in Hell on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you get your podcasts on.